This is Air Commander Starscream, and you are listening to Half Measures. Uh, Half Measures? Sounds like Megatron's battle strategy. <laughs> This episode of Half Measures is brought to you by Time Travelling Team. I'm Trisha. Each week, Paul and Dan do a fantastic job guiding us through the wide world of movies and TV shows. Meanwhile, my co-host Paddy and I are taking a trip through the time vortex and discussing the wibbly-wobbly, timey-wimey world of Doctor Who. Starting back from the earliest adventures in 1963, we're discussing the stories, the Doctor, the companions and the villains of this iconic show. You can find us at Time Team on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. Now sit back, relax, and enjoy as Paul and Dan do their thing, half-measure style. Welcome in to another episode of Half Measures. Thanks for tuning in. If you're looking for some recommendations of what to watch, you are in the right place, as too is my friend and co-host Dan Whiting. Kia ora, Dan. How are you going? Kia ora, Paul. How are you? I'm great. I'm good. I'm good. You were look last week. I know we don't talk about the weather too much, but you're right. The weather's setting in bad. I've, you know, I feel like there's a Easter's coming. I feel like I'm going to watch a lot of stuff. As they say, uh, winter is coming. It's definitely getting darker. The weather isn't quite as good, but we do have a long weekend here in New Zealand. Uh, a four day weekend, which is a a good time for lovers of all things streaming. When I when I feel like I must be getting older because when I think about Easter these days, I actually think that's four days. I feel like that's like a Lord of the Rings extended edition trilogy watch, or I feel like it's the Matrix trilogy. Or I that's I start thinking about what can I what can I watch in that time? Isn't that really antisocial? <laughs> isn't it? Like it's it's so crazy, isn't it? But I think you're right. This is the, this is the perfect time to to really binge something, binge something you haven't binged for a while. Exactly. Well, till then. Dan, could you just tell me, what have you been watching in this last seven days? Well, Paul, what have I been watching? So I've started a, a new TV show on uh, Netflix, actually, called The Irregulars. I don't know if you've heard of this one. No, I haven't. This is, so it's pretty new out, just came out uh, last week, and this is set in Victorian London, and the series follows a gang of troubled street teens who are manipulated into solving crimes for the sinister Dr. Watson and his mysterious business partner, the elusive Sherlock Holmes. And I feel like, Paul, as I say these words, these are all trigger words for you, and I'm I'm gobsmacked that, that this isn't on your radar. I am gobsmacked that I haven't heard of this because just hearing you say that and now I've got it on my screen in front of me, I'm like, I I need to be in amongst this straight away. Is it worth so it? I, Tell me. <laughs> well, so I, I'm not going to give a review just yet because I'm, I'm too early in. I've only watched a, a couple of episodes. And so it's a bit of a, a different take on the uh, Sherlock Holmes universe, I guess. So this um, follows as it as the description says, a, a bit of a street gang. And it's, um, it's kind of... It's quite a, it's quite supernatural, and it's sort of got some some quite dark elements to it. It's got uh, it's got a great cast. It's got some good banter. Uh, I'm I'm intrigued to see where it's going, but I'm gonna hold back on sort of a, a final review. It does give me a a, a light flavour of Stranger Things, but probably not quite as uh, pop culture cool, but it's kind of got that vibe to it to me. So it's I'm, I'm definitely looking forward to watching a few more episodes. 
Okay, so it's a little less uh, grounded in reality than Elementary or Sherlock is what I'm kind of getting. Correct, yeah. And it's one of those shows where, yeah, I'm not sure how far they're going to keep pushing that element. Um, It was definitely in the first episode, very sort of, very sort of, heavy supernatural tendencies um but it still was a a great story and it was kind of it was kind of cool to see a bit of a a different twist on the you know earlier in the year we had the Enola Holmes and you know we always sort of get the classic Sherlock Holmes and and Dr Watson stories so again this is something very different I love I love the idea of a different take on a Sherlock, uh, you know, from a different angle. I love that. I don't know the creator. I'm looking through the, the top stars. I haven't seen any of them before. So there's a lot of new things to discover. I think I will be in amongst this in the next couple of weeks if I can. Good stuff. So, yeah, I'll, I'll probably report back as well in maybe a week or two and uh, let you know sort of a, a, a bit more of a, a Guns Akimbo review potentially of this one. Great. I have also also on Netflix. I've watched a documentary. So this documentary is Biggie. I got a story to tell. So this is you may remember Paul Biggie Smalls, notorious Big. I know. I know the guy. You know the guy. You're mm-hmm. all over it. Oh, yeah. um, so this was a a relatively short documentary, uh, hour and a half sort of type time frame, and it was just sort of a, a bit of a another look into Biggie's life. Obviously, um, he was murdered quite quite young and this was I guess some of his friends and, and family just sort of giving a few interviews talking more about um, Biggie's story and some of the things that went on in his life and ultimately how much of a, a good guy he was it was an okay documentary um, it's like it's pretty pretty painless to watch it didn't really if you were a fan of the sort of a documentaries or the rap genre or you're a notorious big fan then you might find it interesting i don't think it's going to give you anything necessarily new or groundbreaking to kind of sink your teeth into but it's it was fine it was it was something different to watch in between the normal type of streaming that i do very interesting and i think yeah as you say for fans it's got a really great I don't, it's not cast is not the right word but the the people who obviously are interviewed or take part of it you know there's some really famous names there so i imagine it would be if you're if you're a fan of the this guy's work then or this just even you've been caught up in what happened i imagine it would be an interesting watch yeah well it's quite controversial um i think the um biggie's murder and who was involved and so i think it'll be one of those documentaries that either appeals to you as, as in giving you a bit more information or it will one or it will be one that will sort of make you a bit more frustrated but that is on Netflix and that's just come out as well so check it out if you are interested uh, I've also finished uh, season one of Superstore now oh yeah so pleased to report back that it's it is growing on me a bit more I'm starting to appreciate all of the all of the characters and their quirks. I think the same as last week. The same characters, like particularly Dina, are growing on me so much. Uh, and they're, they're so much fun. And some of those characters that I was finding frustrating, like Glenn, for example, I'm starting to see the their quirks as kind of charms as well. So I think I'm going to follow it through into season two and uh, keep going on this one. It's, it's definitely worth it for me. I think the season two, it just grows and grows and grows. And... Uh, the character of, of Garrett, um, the sarcastic guy in the wheelchair, he just gets better and better. And probably, probably 
the funniest I, w- I would say is um no i can't think of it. um Mat- matteo um the, the matteo matteo that's the one that's how you pronounce it yeah or there's an episode where they actually talk about how you should pronounce the name which is quite funny yeah uh real good watch real funny we're still watching it as our palate cleanser each night so yeah nice um and then i've caught up on the the weekly dose of the falcon and the winter soldier so there's been another episode of that so this is episode two uh this one was titled the star spangled man and honestly strength to strength this show is top tier marvel action quality absolutely love it and each episode like this episode was 47 minutes almost 50 minutes it's it's so movie quality and it's so much fun and I just love um, seeing Bucky Barnes the, the Winter Soldier and seeing um, Sam Wilson as Falcon just sort of come together and their kind of tensions as kind of being almost like B-tier superheroes and actually you know trying to sort of work out what their role is in the world and it Again, much like sort of WandaVision, it really deals with what are these what are these heroes, these people doing after these big kind of global events and tragedies happened and the people that were kind of their mentors or the ones that they looked up to aren't there anymore and they're kind of trying to get on with life, but there's still all of these various threats and it's it's just so good. I think the reviews are amazing. I'm sure if you're a Marvel fan, you're already all over this. But if you're not, just get on it. it. It's so much fun. I can't wait for the next episode. And I think we've only got about six episodes um, in the in this short running season. Okay, short season to start with. It's I have such FOMO every time you talk about this, and yet I make no no progress in terms of getting into this universe, which is really frustrating. I know, but um, even just looking at the the director um, is just coming from great quality you know they've got episodes of handmaid's tale and house of cards uh the walking dead all kinds of great um reviews on all their stuff so um i don't know all the angles seem to be good the ratings seem to be good i'm missing out i know i am i'll get there eventually right one day paul one day but you know what it's always good to have things to look forward to and this is one of those good things and then finally I feel like I've been real bitsy this week, to be honest. So I've kind of I've got a little bit of their regulars. I've watched a documentary. I've finished off Superstore. I've watched one episode of Falcon and the Winter Soldier, and then I've just been progressing with my watch of season four of Billions, and really nothing new to report apart from I'm still loving the show. I'm loving it as kind of a one episode per night type show. It's so much fun. Uh, I've only got one one more season after this, and. Yeah, it's going to be, it's going to leave a, another hole in my heart, much like Yellow, Yellowstone did. So, but either way, it, like I'm still having a great time watching it, and that that's really me for this week, Paul. Cool. There's always going to be something to replace it. You know, we had that with Yellowstone, as you say. You had it after you had eight seasons of Homeland in a row, and 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 so on and so on. And there's always going to be what's the next big watch. That's always the exciting thing. Uh, so for me this week, Dan, uh, my probably my top three things firstly um cb strike now this was a real unexpected find you know you know sometimes how you sort of flick through a streamer's library and this is what happened with cb strike this is on neon here in new zealand and um it's a crime drama based on the cormoran strike 
detective novels written by J.K. Rowling, who, of course, I don't know if you remember the story, but she wrote them under a pseudonym. Um, so he's a retired soldier, severely injured in the line of duty, and now he's a, a private detective. And basically, this series focuses on how he and his um, newly appointed assistant solve some some cases that maybe the police have you know, kind of escaped their observation, or they've made a, I don't know, like a they've made the wrong the wrong verdict. And you know, you were just talking before about Sherlock Holmes, and I feel like there's elements of that in terms of that private detective stuff. There's elements of uh, I don't know if you've seen Unforgotten, there's, uh, or even Luther, how you know how he teams up with what's her name, who's not a cop, and even Jessica Jones. I don't know. There's there, if you like any of those sort of thing, it's really compelling viewing, and as you would imagine from jk rowling some really really good writing and you know so much different to what you might expect in terms of the, that harry potter universe type stuff the the quality and intricacy is amazing really well thought through characters i don't know how much is lost in translation from book to tv i have no idea but i would say the books are probably worth a worth a read based on um on this tv show is this one you've heard of or seen or anything then um, I have heard of it and I, it kind of normally pops up because there's always a bit of controversy surrounding old JK Rowling uh, these days. Mm. And it's one that's kind of loosely been on my radar. I quite like shows that come from Cinemax. Uh, like Banshee was one of those shows for me that came from Cine- another great TV show. I'm in, I'm intrigued. Um, and pending your sort of additional positive thoughts, it, it could be one that could make its way to my screen. Yeah, definitely more positive thoughts. Uh, I guess the simplicity of it is just really two characters. Um, and, you know, the guy, Tom Burke, who plays Strike, I've never seen him anything before, but he's he's really good. He just comes across as like a regular guy that you might meet down the pub. Good sense of humor, real clever mind. He's got this, uh, this prosthetic leg from the knee down from a... A bomb blast as a soldier, and that that kind of it. They, they kind of use that as a good, interesting plot point at times. You know, like if he's chasing someone down the street, that's not going to be his strength. You know, um, he's constantly appalled at how often he has to go upstairs and how many lifts are broken down. Um, so there's all kinds of great little anecdotes played in there. And his assistant, um, Robin, her, she's played by Holiday Granger, and she is someone I've seen before. I saw her in. Uh, the police detective series, The Capture, which I watched, um, I think we reviewed in one of our first podcasts. She's a real good fit with Strike. They've got a real good respect for each other. They they riff off of each other really well. Um, I guess you could draw, you know, I was just thinking about what you were talking about before with the Irregulars. I guess you could draw a bit of a comparison to to Watson and Holmes in, in, in that respect. Um, but but yeah, it's a, it's it's actually called Strike. In some countries, when I was looking it up, it came up as strike, but it's called CB Strike here. Um, and yeah, it's originally out in 2017. So we've we've watched the first two series out of the four so far, and definitely going to be diving straight into the the next two. Nice. I um, look. It's got all the components of a, a good TV show for me. Uh, I'm I'm intrigued. It's. Yep. Sounds like it's worth it. I, f- I feel like you'd enjoy it. I feel like the writing's great. Talking of good writing, Dan, as you know, after re-watching a whole lot of, uh, or the whole series of Breaking Bad and then El Camino, I've been um, I've been re-watching Better Call Saul. And this week, I have finished season two. And given that, as we found out 
couple of weeks back that we have to now wait till next year for season six, the final season. I feel like I might have to to do what you're doing with sort of billions and sort of have to just, you know, with, with Yellowstone season three, you're just sort of slowing down and really savoring it. But I have to admit, I did bunch a uh, sort of, um, what's the word, binge, uh, you know, like a whole lot of them this week because it's just so hard to stop. And this is such a great season, Dan. I'd forgotten how good season two was, but for me, it's already like at that nine out of 10 level. It's it's amazing. And it's just so great to go back and rediscover it. I think if you timed it right, you could finish this season, do another rewatch of Breaking Bad and then another rewatch of Better Call Soul, and then you should just about be primed nicely um, for the new season. I'm definitely going to rewatch this from the beginning. It wasn't that long ago that I um, that I did my Better Call Soul watch to, to catch up, um, and I'm already ready for a complete rewatch. And I know it's going to trigger my Breaking Bad um, aspirations. Every, everybody in this is so good. And I think even seeing this uh, movie, is it Nobody or Mr. Nobody? Mm, nobody, yeah. Uh, with Nobody with um, Bob Odenkirk is going to make me want to watch Better Call Soul. Because he's, he's so great. He's such a great actor. He is. And I, I feel like he, he's sort of come to the fore, relative, not late in his life, that's unfair, but certainly, you know, middle-aged. Um, so, yeah, so I guess, you know, you and I, you know, chose this as independently as our number one show for for 2020. And I, I just think I've forgotten, you know, it's over five years ago this season, 2016, early 2016, this one came out. And I, you know, it's just, it's so good. And, you know, listeners who've been with us since the early days will re- also recall that you and I did a a, a podcast for um, favorite TV characters or you know, something like that. I forget how we worded it, but you know, we, we had Mike Ermintray and we had Saul Goodman on that list and this rewatch has really brought it home for me you know mike is just one of the greatest characters of all time jonathan banks we've said so many times is immaculate in this role i could watch him sitting in his packing toll booth all day doing a crossword giving people the evil eye for 45 minutes i'd rather do that than watch some other tv shows that you and i have watched recently and you know seeing jimmy's backstory and getting that rich story about what happens to him to make him turn into to Saul Goodman. It's just so rewarding. And it demonstrates, as I, you know, I've said this sort of thing before, when a backstory really does work well. Um, again, unlike other TV shows that we could talk about, but. Um, I, I would, and I, we, we've said this as well on a really early podcast. I would watch a whole TV series about, you know, Mike in his younger days as a, as a frontline beat cop or moving up to be a detective or whatever it may be. But I want the whole thing narrated by Jonathan Banks so that we get the voice, we get the tone. Um, and I, I think just switching between those kind of, you know, those actual scenes and then him sort of recalling the stories of the events would be a, a great watch. Um, it's just so many great moments in this season. This, this is the season where Jimmy um, sneaks in when Chuck's sleeping and takes the documents and changes 1261 to 1216 so that Chuck goes to court and makes a fool of himself and Kim gets the Mesa Verde case. If you haven't watched the show, it probably sounds like, how is this good TV? It really is. And, you know, I was thinking about that. And obviously, you know, you and I both watched TV before we did this podcast, right? <laughs> I don't know about you, but I feel like because you know, we meet each week, it's kind of heightened my senses when I 
because when we come on here, we talk about something else. I can't just come on here and say, yeah, I watched it. I was, I thought it was good. I enjoyed it. It's, you know, it's, that's probably even less than a half measure. So I try to think about what it is I've really liked about things. And with this show, more than anything else, what it's hit home for me is the writing. So, you know, ahead of casting, production, set design, direction, special effects, music, anything, writing. And it's such a basic point to make. But for me, I feel like this could be one of possibly the best written series of, of all time. And that's in terms of both characters and in terms of the story that you use with those those characters. So, um, yeah, I feel like shout outs i was just looking through the credits gordon smith jennifer hutchinson and thomas schnauz who wrote the standout episodes of this season it's it's so strong no i don't like to say that it's i shouldn't compare it to this because they they're in the same universe and there's a lot of the same cast and writers and directors but i i do sometimes think is better call soul the better series overall Mm. um in terms of like the pacing and the character development and the and i think What's interesting about Better Call Saul, particularly seasons one and two, is it's still kind of in the in the slower burn nature of things going on. Like a lot of the a lot of the set pieces are still kind of being put in motion. And yes, there's elements of they're kind of turning up the dial episode by episode. And you know, I actually think there's a lot of people out there who a don't understand this is actually the the prequel to Breaking Bad. Mm. Will be have given it a shot for the first couple of episodes of season one and thought this is not for me. Where's Walt? And yes, right. You know this is a this is a show that rewards you for patience and it rewards you um, with epic storytelling and amazing acting. And I think it's just it, I, I can't speak more highly of it because I think you know the time we get into season two, like, so much is kind of happening, and you're you're about to come. I don't know how you could slow down at this point, Paul, because you're about to hit some really sort of yeah. awesome sort of jumping off points in this show. Correct. We've got Gus Fring is going to be coming in season three. Um, it's really going to ramp up from the point of view. Some of the things with Salamanca. I know we've got the scene coming up where he's trying. Manda, uh, Michael Mando's character, what's his name? Nacho is trying to drop the pills in the in the jacket pocket. It's just such high stress. If you haven't watched it, it must sound like madness. What we're talking about. If you have watched it, what I would say is actually the rewatch is better. And I think the reason for that is because when you first watch this series and, and as you say you come from this Breaking Bad universe so you know who Saul Goodman is you know who Mike is but a lot of the story is around um, uh, what's her name Kim Kim Wexler and a lot of the story is around Chuck uh, and Howard and you don't know these characters but by the time you've watched five seasons and you go back you really appreciate those characters as well so much more on a rewatch it's uh, anyway I've got to stop because otherwise this is going to be an hour of me talking about medical so it's just it's just amazing. The The third and final thing, um, so it's, as I said, we've been carrying on with Superstore as our um, comedy and the latest season of Brooklyn Nine-Nine is Palette Cleansers. But the, the third thing I actually wanted to talk about is a film on Netflix called Yesterday. And that is mainly because other than, I, I guess, Transformers, this is the first time that my seven-year-old daughter has started watching something and I've decided to join in. And I felt like, do you know what? I think this is worth talking about on the podcast. So uh, kudos to to her for this one. So 
as you would probably guess, this is a family movie, very friendly, family-friendly movie. Um, but there is enough in there for adults, and that's always good writing. I always remember you talking down about the that the latest Adams Family movie and how there was all those adult hooks that make it you know enjoyable and I guess more accessible. And I also think anyone who's ever had experience of having to say no frequently to young kids will also get a lot out of this. So for me, this definitely resonated. And it's it's pretty straightforward. It's about a, a mother and father who, you know, usually say no to their kids, decide for one day, do you know what? We're going to say yes to your wildest request with only a few grain rules. And um, it is a lot of fun. Uh, you know, obviously great to watch with kids. Everyone can relate. Jennifer Garner uh, plays the mother. And a guy, Edgar Ramirez, who I haven't seen before, he plays the father. And they're both really, really good today. I feel like Jennifer Garner doesn't pop up in many things, or at least not many things I watch. So other than like Alias and Pearl Harbor, uh, I haven't seen her in too much. And certainly not in comedy. And I thought she did a real good job with this one. So uh, yeah, definite recommendation this. It's funny you bring this movie up, Paul. I tried to convince Samara to watch this movie in the weekend. We were just sort of flicking through the various streaming platforms and this kind of came up as as they do. It's one of the new movies and it kind of looked like cheesy but maybe kind of fun. Um, And as soon as I showed her the trailer for it, she was like, what's wrong with you? And we (laughs) moved on. So I I didn't get to experience yesterday. It was a no day for me. Yeah, it's yeah. We have to instigate a yesterday to get so you can watch yesterday. Honestly, there's uh, as I said, Jennifer Garner's great. The guy who, who plays the dad, Edgar Ramirez, he's really good. I haven't seen him before, and also I've got to give a shout out to these two young child actors, um, Everly Garganila and Julian Lerner, who play the kids. They were fantastic. There's a, there's as you would imagine, there's a lot of set pieces, you know, that sort of play out, and I think it. It works. Maybe it's a bit predictable, but I don't say that as a criticism because, you know, it does all the things you'd expect it to do. And um, it obviously has um, similarities. If you've ever seen Jim Carrey's movie, uh, Yes Man, it's kind, it's kind of got a bit of vibe about it. But um, yeah, it's less than an hour and a half. So yeah. What I appreciate about these movies is this isn't a movie that, you know, if you think back to the the olden days when we grew up, this isn't a movie you would probably would have gone to the theatre to see. It definitely isn't probably a movie you would have hired. You maybe might have seen it on TV if you had nothing mm. else to do on a Sunday night maybe. But I think this is what streaming really opens up, right? Different people have different things that kind of get them interested and you kind of watch stuff and, you know, great for probably the actors and everyone in the in the film industry that more eyes get on these things than previously would have all due to streaming. Yeah. And I, look, I asked a few people in my workplace and a lot of people have watched this and then I read that this was like one of the the highest ever watched Netflix films of, of all time, at least within this genre. So um, I guess... If I was to try and get this across the line for anyone, I would say putting aside animated kids' comedies, I would say this is, in terms of live action films, this is the best family film I've seen for, for quite a few years. So that's that's about as much as I can say, I guess. Great review. And that, then is what I've been watching this week, with the exception, as always, of course, of the things that you and I have been watching together, including the penultimate episode of The Walking Dead then of this season of this season Paul I'm just so glad that they've they've turned it around and they've finally given us a quality episode 
I'm really glad that you are seeing things that way because, you know, I feel exactly the same about this episode, Dan. I am guessing that both of us at this point are being sarcastic because we haven't talked about this off air. So I, I never know what you think, but I'm presuming that you're ready to throw the TV through the window. Paul, this was the biggest pile of garbage I've ever seen in my life. Like, what the hell are they thinking? Get this trash off. This is ridiculous. This is not an episode of The Walking Dead. This is the story of when Carol borrows Daryl's pocket knife and then he finds a new one. And that's, this isn't an episode. This is, like, honestly, like, these are two of the last kind of big big stars left in this universe. And this is honestly the best story that they can be cobbled together this show is on the thinnest of threads for me. I was borderline going to text you and be like, that's it. I'm out. <laughs> just just like, like last week. Oh, save, just like last week. Save it for the pod. And I was just, I, I'm gobsmacked. And I'm looking at these um, IMDb reviews for this week's episode, yeah. you know, 4.3 out of 10. That's, that's dismal. Like even Daryl's dog was like, I'm not sticking around for this. And he went, he went home. He went home. You know, like this is, it's so rubbish. Last week, as I mentioned, the record was broken for the lowest IMDb rating for Walking Dead ever. And as impossible as it might seem, this has scored a 4.3, which is not only lower because last week's, which is still the second lowest, which is a five, 5.1, 4.3. That is lower than the majority of, uh, most TV show like Walk It Will Beyond, for example, was scoring better than this, and that was a show that you and I were giving a relatively hard time with a bit of leeway because it was the first season. But I look. Firstly, can I say I really appreciated your George Costanza moment there. That was that was really enjoyable. But you're right. This if this is the trailer for this new Carol and Daryl series, then this show is in trouble before we start. I feel like when you said. You said this is this is not an episode of The Walking Dead. That's exactly how I felt. I feel like I've watched certain shows for certain reasons. And when that show fails to deliver on that, it's disappointing. So, you know, we watch Seinfeld for the laughs. We watch, we watch our Pommy Police shows for that crime drama, mystery, intrigue. And I watched The Walking Dead for the stress and the tension and the fear of living in a world where the zombies have taken over and my life is on the line. And I think... To be fair to the writers, you can't you can't have uh, you can't have that tension every episode for ten seasons. So I give them a bit of a break, but I have no interest in watching someone go make soup and then actually never make that soup, or trying to catch a rat, or just annoying people who are trying to get some work done because they won't stop talking to them. <laughs> and even you know, like the the whole point of the show is people taking down walkers. Like Carol is a character that's been there since episode one and you know we don't need carol being like i'll take out you then i'll take out you then i'll take out you and then like kills one of them and then we just fade to black like don't make me use my imagination on your crappy episode where you're basically as you say you're making a vegetable soup and you're chasing a rat around the house and daryl kind of gets in a little bit of trouble but thankfully finds some more um uh, pocket knives or uh, honestly I just I don't even know how this got through like as how how does it work in the writers room Paul are they just like all right all right so Carol makes the soup and then she she works out she's actually missing an ingredient and then the dog he knocks over the lamp now oh, it's a real terrible day for Carol like 
It's, what? I, I don't. I don't get it. I don't get it. And then, and then yeah, on, on the same note, we have Daryl going off on his bike, going nowhere, breaking down, and then fixing his bike, coming back, and then saying, "Oh, I need a bit of a sleep." Um, I think I enjoyed the encounter he had at that with that car when he was under the car and he had to convince the zombie to go to the front of the car. Otherwise the car was going to crush him. I thought that was quite an interesting little set piece, but beyond that, I think overall, uh, yeah. So you can't have that tension of being chased by zombies every week, but you need to have some sort of, what are these guys doing this week that makes it worthwhile? Otherwise, I don't know. I, I also, what's disappointing is I get to, I start thinking about what we didn't get to see. So we've, we've seen Darren Carroll a couple of times this, this second run of this season, but we haven't really seen Eugene or the King or Rosita or, I don't know. I just feel like I would like to see some of these guys and get a story like we did with Aaron and, and Gabriel the other week, because this is just, this is just not cutting it. I, while you were talking, I literally just thought of a better storyline for this whole entire six episodes that would be me. more rewarding than this. And like it could literally be some of our key characters sitting around. Maybe they have a bit of a, a wild night. They've, they come across some wine or some old whiskey or something, and they're recalling some of their most craziest encounters that they've, they've kind of got stuck in, and they're trying to one-up each other with different stories. And it's kind of just these weird kind of flashback scenes to things that might, like, Things that might have happened in events that we kind of got little glimpses of but never got the full backstory or even just events that we've never even known about. Um, and it's just kind of these crazy situations. Like for example, like the Daryl um, being trapped under the car with the zombie moving. Like that would be interesting to then have someone like Rosita be like, oh, I've got one better, and tells another story. Yeah. And then it kind of flicks to her scene like, a, you would get to see a whole bunch more characters. You wouldn't have to rely on the Daryl and Carols to kind of carry these episodes. And it would just give them more fun. I just feel like we're so these, – these six episodes didn't need to exist. That, that's the problem. They've done nothing but hurt the brand. I feel like I need to apologise to listeners because normally I remind people that if they don't watch The Walking Dead, they can use the show notes and go ahead to the next next item on the agenda because if you don't watch this so we just must sound like – those two Muppet guys up in the gantry just, you know, just moaning about everything. But it's it's so true. Look, next week we have the final Walking Dead of this season and then we move into the Fear Walking Dead. So I guess let's just keep our fingers crossed we go out on a bang for this season because otherwise, like you said last week, what has been the point of of, of this season realistically? So um, let's... Uh, Let's pack that one, Dan, and let's uh, let's move into our weekly feature, the movie of the week feature, where each week you and I take it in turns to choose a movie at random, and then we review it the following week. And if you'd like to watch that movie along with us, you can join the Discord community by clicking on the link in our show notes, and then we post that movie seven days before we review it, and so you can watch it, and then come and hear what we have to say. What are we watching this week, Dan? Well, Paul, this week we're watching a movie called The Nightingale. And if you haven't seen this movie and want to watch it, I need to pre-apologise now that this, this is a dark, dark movie. And when Paul and I are choosing these movies, I don't know about your process, Paul. I'm often like, what a what's a mo- what's a new movie that's out or something new on one of the platforms that we've got access to that you probably haven't seen and I haven't seen and looks kind of interesting or it could be interesting to talk about. Mm. And this was one of those movies for me. I I saw the title card, kind of 
read a sentence about what it was about and I thought oh that sounds interesting enough but I'll tell you Paul I'll read out the synopsis in a moment but I was embarrassed and horrified and ashamed that I recommended this movie and I thought has Paul watched this with his wife like this this isn't a movie I should be recommending so let me sort of give you the synopsis um, for those of you who are listening and haven't seen it so the nightingale which is set in 1825 and it's about a a lady called claire who's a young irish convict um, and she's basically chases a, a british officer through the rugged tasmanian wilderness bent on revenge for a terrible act of violence he committed against her family and on the way she enlists the services of an aboriginal tracker named billy who is also marked by trauma uh, from his own violence filled past and so I guess to set the scene, so some terrible, terrible things happened to Claire and her family as a as a convict working for um, the British military. She ultimately kind of chases down the the British soldiers that that did these terrible things to her and her family, um, and, and has the help of this Aboriginal tracker who's also treated terribly, and unfortunately, it's probably quite historically accurate. And it's kind of, it's one of those movies that, you know, the tags on this movie on IMDb are adventure, drama, and horror. And I think that Mm. kind of, I think that horror tag probably really sums it up because this is a, you know, a a fairly kind of like slow drama with some high intensity scenes and some pretty dark character moments. But um, with that sort of, uh, summary in mind what did you actually think of this one Paul yeah so you've summed up the you've summed it up well because you know movie of the week I always look forward to it it always reminds me of the reason why we started this podcast you know because we used to talk about the things we've been watching and uh, yeah we had a lot of fun last week with with Patty watching Tombstone this movie as you say it's it's probably the single most shocking disturbing upsetting movie i've probably ever seen and i would like i would honestly suggest that anyone who doesn't want us to to want to hear about some of the most awful things that a person can do that that a man can do that yeah that then i would say use the timings in the show notes once again and and jump ahead to the news desk because this is really really heavy that What's interesting though, Dan, is that I actually really appreciate you picking this one because if I'm honest, I probably wouldn't have even looked at it. Um, but when it was selected as one of two options for me to consider, it felt like something that would be really worthwhile seeing from a, uh, I guess, almost an educational perspective because I don't think I've ever watched or read or learned anything much about what early 19th century Australia might be like. Um, and that definitely... Yeah, it definitely proved to be the case. And and keeping in mind that the story is obviously fictional, it's depicted depicted sorry in a in a way that I'm sure is a very feasible representation of what it would have been like 200 years ago, and, and probably worryingly how much racism still exists today. But um, no, there's a lot in this movie that is awful. But um, I don't I don't know how to say I you can't say I enjoyed it, but I I feel like this is. Uh, a a gripping watch. I feel like it's a worthwhile watch. It's a it's it's a remarkable story and a very powerful movie. 
Yeah, I, I think then that's the thing. Like, so we, I guess the a lot of this that we're talking about is kind of the the precursor and and the warning. Like, don't go into this one thinking this is going to be a fun old time to. Um, a great recommendation from the lads on half measures that this is a this is a dark and serious movie that that covers some some intense subject matters um and i think overall i actually enjoyed enjoyed it but i say i feel weird saying the words i enjoyed it That's because right. so much terrible stuff happened but i actually think it was a a good movie i think it's a good one to talk about on the pod because it's kind of a little bit different it doesn't have the um, you know, often, you know, we're talking about a comedy or something, you know, something like Fast and the Furious, or we're talking about Star Trek or something like this. This is this is much more um, real, and I think the, the 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 drama side of it and the historical sort of context it is really interesting. And I think um, I don't know about you, but I haven't seen a lot of movies that I guess bring to life um, anything for Aboriginal for the Aboriginal people, and it it was both bad and great to sort of have a, a, a different lens over some of this stuff. Mm. No, it was, and I'm the same. I, I hadn't seen too much of that, and that lens really fascinated me. Um, and it's it's interesting because, you know, the crimes that this British officer and his two colleagues commit in this movie are, you know, unspeakable. And furthermore, even if one of these, I guess, four major crimes committed were to have occurred there's still a story to be told around just that there's still a revenge story to be told but when those additional three crimes take place and the ferocity of them and the fact that the three of them occur within the space of like two minutes with all three of this irish family under one roof it, it creates a point of no return for the viewer you can't unsee what you've witnessed and you kind of left there shell-shocked and i kept thinking well surely nothing else bad can happen now because what else could you do after that? And yet, as the movie progresses, it still continues to shock what these these British guys can do. And that's where the the, the continuation of the shock happens with the the Aboriginal tracker Billy, um, uh, who who, to be fair, by the way, I I thought the actor um, Baikali Ganamba was as Billy was absolutely fantastic. I thought he was so easy to like, so many great qualities, and I I feel for for his story alone that's why this movie needs to be watched i thought i thought he was fantastic but yeah that 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 story and that that uh, lens of the aboriginal uh, people and the indigenous people of australia was uh, quite fascinating yeah i think you you've really hit the nail on the head there and i think what's what's great about this you know it's a relatively small cast in the in the scheme of things is I think the the three core British officers, Aidan, Jago, and Ruse, they're all so dislikable um, as characters, and they do a really great job at making you dislike them early on. And I think what you said was right in the sense that the the main actress, um, Claire, in this in this movie, she goes through something horrific, and you as a audience member kind of have to wear that with her mm. and then that kind of follows you throughout sort of the, the rest of the movie because it does kind of like I don't know about you but it kind of hit me out of the blue about how how bad could this be and it's bad um, and then I, I, I'm with you I think both Billy and Uncle Charlie were such epic epic mm. characters mm. and one of my favorite things um, of Billy the Aboriginal guide 
is whenever they would get into trouble in the forest, how he would just kind of like veer off the path and then kind of like appear again when uh, trouble had gone. And that, that was so fantastic, just the way that he kind of like, you know, played that that guide and, you know, kind of had a bit, had a bit of fun with it. Yeah, a real uh, streetwise or whatever the appropriate word is. He just, he knows the territory well and he, yeah, really likeable. I'd love to see him again in something else. One of the things then I found... Um, fascinating was kind of the complexity of the of the layers of what was going on what i mean by that is so we we have claire this irish woman you know who's 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 just lost her husband and baby and watching it as you said all of your empathy all of your emotion and hope that she succeeds and is felt for her but then despite that you, you then have to witness her committing acts of racism herself towards towards billy and um now this does disappear eventually as 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 the two of them form quite a, a quite a close relationship and and trust over time but at the start it was definitely there and so it was extraordinary to see someone that you simultaneously feel sorry for then go and make you feel a little bit angry too and i i think it would have been really easy to go a little bit hollywood here and have her been fair and kind and and good natured towards Billy right from the start and treat him treat him like an equal, but as awful as it sounds, I guess credit to the writers for not doing that because it brings about the reality um, of the views that would have been held at that time certainly you know two hundred years ago um, and it makes a really interesting dynamic to watch and so while so much of the story is about her loss and her her quest for revenge, the other massive story that's as you said is 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 woven in is that extreme racism and the most the most inhumane treatment of these indigenous people of australia it's 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 quite remarkable it, it is it is a really interesting thing isn't it because i think you know clear as a as an irish woman and as a convict is treated like garbage um by the um by the british soldiers and around anyone else and, and as a woman has no has no you know kind of doesn't no rights no she has no papers she has no sort of ability but then as you say when it comes to her interactions with Billy it, that she instantly became sort of the person on the the height the higher level mm. and and treated him like garbage and I, I think you're right like I think it's actually one of those movies that really shines a an interesting light on it doesn't it like it's and it is one of those like deeper things which they could have really easily glossed over, but they they leaned into it. And I think leaning into it actually made the the bond between those characters ultimately stronger. No, absolutely right. And I think you know I've talked about the actor who played Billy, but um, I'm not sure how you pronounce her first name. Is it Ailing Ace Ailing Frank Frankiozzi who plays Claire? I've seen her before. She was in the the Fool with Jamie Dornan and Gillian Anderson. She was great in that. But the two of them together, I felt like they had a real good chemistry and I think that the characters worked well. Also, a shout-out to the guy who played the British officer, um, Sam Claffin. He normally, you know, this is the guy you despise right from the start for various obvious reasons, but he often plays like a good guy in movies like um, Me Before You or Snow White and the Huntsman, but he's really convincing, eh, as the bad guy like that too convincing almost and so he's got a real range of acting abilities um and this you know the story is really gripping and despite everything we've we've talked about there are still some moments 
of comedy in this movie, believe it or not, hey, that, that are just really nice. The rapport between Claire and Billy at times as they get to know each other, but more they they share that common understanding and appreciation for one another. That's great to watch. And they, you know, they overcome their distrust and their prejudices against one another. And fiction aside, it felt like a good insight to some 200 year old Australian history that previously I wasn't quite so aware of. So I, yeah. This is this is another one available on Neon. So as you've said, Dan, for your discretion advice, but um, yeah, very good. Yeah, I think the only thing I think going into it is I wasn't prepared for how heavy it was going to be, and it was one of those movies where I was like, I, I felt heavy watching it, and afterwards I definitely needed our palette cleanser tv show the your brooklyn nine nines your seinfelds your superstores whatever it is just to kind of like almost like lift you a bit out of that funk but i think um look overall it was a a good one to watch and i think much like you like even though i i guess i ultimately picked this one i don't think i would have watched it if it wasn't for our our movie of the week um Mm. uh rules yeah guys stick to the rules what do you give this one what um what do you give this one on the the guns of Kimbo scale? Uh yeah, I look I give this one three, which is uh I find this scale extraordinary in the scale of four. It's uh, it's quite restrictive, but you know, again, you've got to play by the rules. Um yeah, I'll give this a three guns. What about you, Dan? Yeah, I'd I'll give it three. Maybe it's uh three muskets akimbo. Um yeah. No, it's um probably a three. A three. It's a an interesting watch as Paul said check it out if you've got neon here in New Zealand um just make sure this isn't one of the you know we often joke about the movies that you might watch with your parents probably don't do it with them um and make sure you've you're in the right mental space for it make sure you've got something fun to watch afterwards um and hopefully you enjoy it indeed well Dan that's the movie of the week shall we move across to your news desk for this week all right so a couple of things on the news desk so there's been quite a bit of news around the new obi-wan kenobi show there's been a whole bunch of casting news and announcements there pretty exciting cast i must say though one cast member i wanted to draw particular attention to has recently posted on instagram um with so this is uh, um, moses ingram and she posted the the comment i play with lightsabers and i love that i love i love if you if you're if you're an actress or an actor and you can just drop a real badass comment like I play with lightsabers and the internet just goes wild. You mean like two lightsabers? Like who are you possibly talking about? That's are right. you an inquisitor? What's your role going to be? And it just, you know, like it sparks and sort of fuels all this great conversation. And I hope it's an inquisitor. I, I'm intrigued. I, I It got me excited. I, I would love the idea of an, of an inquisitor just simply because I'm all about, as I've said before too many times, probably bringing things that are, in an animated uh, format or in a book format or comic format, bringing those things to live action and making them just that little bit more canon, that would be that would be fantastic. This look, this news did not escape my attention either. And as you say, some exciting casting news. I think, obviously, we already knew about um, 
Hayden Christensen and, and uh, Ewan McGregor returning, but I was really pleased to see we're getting the original um, Aunt Beru and Uncle Owen return from Revenge of the Sith as well. That was great. I love having the original casting there. Yeah, no, very, very exciting. Uh, what else have I got here? So it looks like Sylvester Stallone, um, who is famous for writing the Rocky movies, is working on a pitch for some Rocky prequels. Um, I don't know about you, Paul. I love the Rocky movies. It's been a, it's been quite a while since I've watched them, but I, I don't know, probably about fifteen years ago, one Christmas, uh, me and some friends we we just watched all of them, one to five. It was an epic time. We call it Adrian all the time. You have a few drinks, Adrian. Brilliant. You know, like it's such such a such a good memories. Um, really enjoy the. Uh, more modern Creed films. I would definitely kind of be interested in seeing a bit more Rocky, interested in the prequel series, what they might do with it. Obviously, it's going to be, um, I guess, set in the 60s. Um, are you a Rocky fan, Paul? Look, I casually, casually would watch it. Um, I've, I, I seem to recall enjoying, you know, the... Uh, the one with Ivan Draco, um, if he dies, he dies. Yeah, that that sort of uh, that era, and uh, Mr. T, the Hulk Hogan type uh, cameos. Um, those ones were the most enjoyable um, for me. I'm I'm presuming we're not going to get um, Sylvester Stallone de-aged using de-aging technology. Oh God, I hope not. I hope not. But he is he has sort of um, been in all of the, yes. the Rocky movies, so there might be some way that he's in there, but uh, let, let's let's hope not. Um we have also got a new trailer for Rick and Morty season five, and they have confirmed uh June twenty twenty one release date for the new season, which is uh, pretty exciting for those Rick and Morty fans out there. Amazing. I have also yeah, it's it's, it's great, great times. Great show. Uh, I don't know if you're a fan of the American Gods TV show. So there's been three seasons of that TV show, and unfortunately they have cancelled it, and they're not going to do a season four. So this is quite a a, a semi niche but quite popular TV show um, that was on um, Stars in America, based on some uh, Neil Gaiman. Um, uh, books and I I watched the first season um I didn't quite I think I was a bit too smooth brain to really truly understand it it was it was quite quite um quite deep but I, I have heard people who sort of who, who do quite love it unfortunately reviews wise it hasn't done too too well um so it probably hasn't quite hit the mainstream like it probably needed to do but for those people who are fans it looks like they're going to try and maybe do some sort of movie to to wrap up all of the loose ends uh what else do i have here um it looks like um Paul, you might appreciate this as a DC movie fan. So you'll know that Dwayne Johnson, a.k.a. The Rock, um, is going to be Black Adam. And there's been a release date set for that, which is going to be the 29th of July, 2022. So just over a year away. This movie's been long, long talked about, long sort of hyped. Interesting to see whether they'll be able to hold that date. Scene. I feel like movie announcement dates these days are basically written in, in pencil. Yeah. You know? 100%. Who knows? I'll believe it when I see it type thing. Well, we, when were we getting James Bond out? You know, that was 
look, we live in a different world at the moment, so uh, let's let's hope they stick to it because uh, I've noticed that a uh, like a lot of movies now, uh, like the latest Godzilla versus Kong movie, that's set to play in more theaters than any other um, sort of like post-pandemic movie like Tenet or um, Wonder Woman 1984. So who knows? Maybe things are starting to to become a little bit more um, solidified in that space. And one final bit of news from me. So George R. R. Martin, who um, most famously known for writing the Game of Thrones uh, books, he has just signed um, a massive, apparently eight-figure, five-year deal with HBO uh, to basically assist with more programming and um, there's a number of Game of Thrones prequel shows in the works. Uh, it's all pretty exciting. It's interesting because, you know, George obviously wrote the books. The books are great. He's still trying to get a couple more of those books out. People have been waiting for years. What always worries me with this sort of stuff is I don't want George to get distracted from finishing the books because we need the good book to heal from the terrible TV ending. On the flip side, having George involved in these TV projects is probably a good thing because he kind of he holds such a I think a high vision and a, has such a, a depth and a passion for all things fantasy that I'm sure having him on board um, is going to be nothing but goodness. So, yeah, that's that's me on the news desk today, Paul. Awesome. Uh, the Obi Wan Kenobi casting was one of the things I was going to talk about. Um, so. We've done that. Also, Star Wars, the Bad Batch um, animated series is due to premiere on May the 4th. Obviously, makes sense, May the 4th, right? Um, so that's something to look forward to. I saw the trailer for that uh, this past week. Um, I will be honest, because I often get hyped. I watched the Bad Batch trailer and I was kind of like, I'll watch it, but nothing was screaming out at me like, this is going to be amazing. It hasn't got that... Uh, like when we saw the trailer for the final season of Clone Wars or or the seasons of Rebels or I don't know, it didn't quite grab me. But I'll I'll, I'll pass judgment when we when we see it. Um, so that's exciting because uh, you know there hasn't been any Star Wars content since the Mandalorian, and that feels like a long time ago. Um, actually, all of the things I was going to talk about are all around trailers. So the the Handmaid's Tale season four latest trailer has also dropped. That one's worth a watch if you're a fan of that show. Um, it looks like Gilead is is prepping for All Out War, which is is kind of cool because you know we've always seen the side the other side. Um, so I'm quite excited to see what it looks like to be on on the side of Gilead. Um, and then a couple of other trailers this week. Finally, uh, Wrath of Man, Jason Statham plus Guy Ritchie equals How Can You Possibly Go Wrong? Based on previous Statham Guy Ritchie movies. Um, again, I watched the trailer. I thought it looked good. I wasn't overwhelmed. I don't know if The Walking Dead just put me in a bad mood down, but I watched a couple of trailers and I was like, oh yeah, that's okay. But it's not it's not really grabbing at me. Uh, and finally, the Suicide Squad trailer, the James Gunn um, movie, the trailer for that one, that one probably was a little stronger. Definite adult feel to that in terms of the language. Um, Idris Elba, um, in particular, was uh, quite quite funny in that. Um, John Cena, um, Pete Davidson, there's a, a star-studded cast um, joining um, the returning Margot Robbie and Jai Courtney. So, um, yeah, all about the trailers this week, Dan. 
Do you know who the shark is in the Suicide Squad? That is Sylvester Stallone, isn't it? It is indeed. I, I thought this uh, this trailer was was fantastic. It's, you know, this is healing, I think, some of the wounds of the, the first Suicide Squad movie. And I think James Gunn has just pulled together such an amazing ensemble of people. And, you know, the, the great thing about the Suicide Squad is a lot of those um, villains or uh, anti-heroes are, are quite disposable often in a suicide squad sense and so I am expecting some great laughs some epic uh, deaths of some of these characters it, it should be a lot of fun yeah I, I have some high hopes on this and I know we fell into that trap with Suicide Squad but um, as I say the new cast additions plus um, we've we've got Viola Davis returning again as Amanda Waller she was she was good in the first one as well so I think I think they I'm hoping they're going to keep the good things uh, from that first movie, uh, build on some of the things that were good in Birds of Prey, a movie we also enjoyed recently, and uh, yeah, I guess I guess we'll see. I'll tell you, this is not really movie related, but it's of interest to you and I. So surely it can be of interest to everyone else. So with May the Fourth coming up, and obviously the Bad Batch, that must mean we must be getting close to some sort of Lego announcement for some sort of UCS set for Star Wars. You'd you'd hope so. You'd hope so. But I've given up hope on a number of things because we were supposed to have had the Lego Star Wars Skywalker Saga PS4 PS5. You know, or, or you know, those those that game was supposed to have dropped around Christmas time, and here we are. You know, we're coming in April. It's uh, yeah. Where is everything? I got questions. Dan. Where is it? Indeed, we can only hope. That's all I've got. I'll jump across quickly to a very brief mailbag this week. Um, last week we talked about the the finale of Yellowstone, and we had a. A lot of love on our, our posts for that one. We had over well over 20 comments and questions on our Instagram, which was great. A lot of people were asking us when season four is coming out. Um, so hopefully we've given them the right dates because we don't know. Um, a lot of people saying they will not cope if the, the three Duddens do not make it through. My favorite reaction that I saw was from a guy called Thierry from Maryland, the USA, who said, John's going to get mad when he finds out what's happened the platform at the train station is going to fill up really fast, which I thought was just great because he obviously gets this show and he knows, as we do, Dan, that that train runs in only one direction. Um, As regular listeners will know, in fact, we talked about it today, we use our Guns Akimbo rating scale for our movie reviews. And on that note, the producer of Guns Akimbo, Tom Hearn, commented on our review of tombstone um saying that that was one of his favorite films of all time he didn't i'm afraid to say dan leave us a guns akimbo uh rating but he did include four smiley faces so i'm taking that to mean that's all the guns for tombstone so that was that was pretty cool of him to get involved i love that that's uh that's a that's a dream come true and i'm i I hope you got a laugh out of us using using that metric and our uh, peak performance for for Ben Affleck. Um, Dan, you predicted we might get a few people going with uh, Armageddon for their peak performance. Well, we received no votes for Armageddon and we received no responses to this peak performance for the first time ever at the time of recording. Now, 
part of that may be on the social media manager who hasn't actually posted anything about Ben Affleck. But uh, yeah, first time ever, Dan, we haven't had a reply for our performance, including Paddy at this point, but I'm sure he'll come through. Paddy, where the hell are you, Paddy? You have a 3-2-1 every week. I, look, I don't. There's a there's a flaw in the in the chain here, and I I wonder if it is with the social media manager. <laughs> I believe it will be. I will talk to them when I uh, get off this podcast, Dan. Um, but yeah, that is the mailbag uh, for this week. So let's get into this week's peak performance, Dan. And this was uh, my pick this week. So like our movie of the week, each week Dan and I take it in turns to choose a, an actor or an actress or director or producer. Uh, someone that we want to talk about and talk about our top three movies that they have either starred in or made. And I chose for you, Dan, Mr. Kurt Russell. This was an interesting choice, Paul. I thought, you know, I feel like my number one was always going to be easy, particularly after reviewing Tombstone. But, you know, looking back at the old back catalogue of Kurt Russell, He's been in some epic movies, man. Like I real I honestly really struggled to get this down to three. I just want to talk about so many of the the great projects he's been a part of. But you know, the law says three, two, one, so it's three, two, one. I'm gonna go with number three. I'm actually gonna go with the classic 1986 movie Big Trouble in Little China. So this is where Kurt Russell basically plays a rough and tumble trucker and helps rescue his friend's fiance from an ancient um, sorcerer in a supernatural battle beneath Chinatown. And if that synopsis doesn't get you hyped up for an 80s movie, then I don't know what's wrong with you. This is a classic. This is... uh, you know, this is one of those movies that you can find on Disney Star at the moment. And if you haven't seen it in a while, definitely worth a watch. As I say, it's pretty old. It came out in 86, but it was a, a classic and still is a, a cult classic today. So that's number three for me. Number two, um, I'm going to go with Bone Tomahawk. So this movie came out in 2015. It's uh, another Western, Western drama horror. Like it feels like similar tags to uh, the Nightingale movie. This movie was a real surprise hit for me. It was epic. It was dark. It was memorable. And it's basically about the in, the in the dying days of the sort of old west town, an elderly sheriff and his posse set out to rescue their their town's doctor from from some cannibal cave dwellers, and it's just great. It's got such a great cast. Kurt Russell's awesome in it. He's he's got a very similar look in this movie to the way he looks in the Hateful Eight, mm. um, but it's 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 one of my favorite movies. It's it's a, a real enjoyable. Um, different type of western and then number one for me is without a shadow of a doubt it's tombstone i i think this is one of kurt russell's best performances um and i i i couldn't even consider anything else being in the number one slot so i won't go on about this movie because we we talked about it quite a bit last week so big trouble in little china bone tomahawk and tombstone for me great choices it's funny when you said Bone Tomahawk, I immediately became aware that I haven't seen that movie. So immediately started looking at it and I thought the same thing. It looks just like his character in The Hateful Eight and it's a real recent, you know, so I, I don't know how this one escaped my radar, but it's going straight on it. 
My three, two, one, I also struggled with this and I had the additional struggle having um, watched 1993's Tombstone, which goes straight in at number three. Um, and funnily enough, I've only seen this movie once, as you well know. Um, but despite only one viewing and so many other great Kurt Russell movies, this one makes the cut. As as we talked about last week, he is just that good. The performance is right up there. It's, as I said last week, peak Kurt mode, very intense, probably plays that Wyatt Earp character better than anyone I can think of. And yeah, just so many great lines. So um, so yeah, he's, uh, he's in that number three. My number two is the 2007 uh, Quentin Tarantino movie, Death Proof. Um, now, we, we talked about this when we did our Quentin Tarantino podcast last year. And of, of the two Tarantino movies he starred in, this is... This is the one I think he's best in or most memorable in. He plays uh, Stuntman Mike. And for me, I haven't seen Bone Tomahawk yet, but for me, it's his most iconic role this century. A really dislikable, horrible character. You you know, you basically want him to get killed within the first few minutes for what he does. And, you know, of course that happens when he meets New Zealand's Zoe Bell. Of course, he's never going to get past her. But, um... Whilst it's not the most loved Tarantino movie, I'm a big fan of it. And I think he just, I think he plays the villain so well. He's so arrogant and evil. Again, great one-liners. It's a a real trademark for Kurt Russell. And um, yeah, I think the strength of this movie is is how much you want this bad guy to be taken down. So if if you'd had a lesser actor playing this bad guy, then this movie may have got even more bad reviews than it's it's relatively got to, to other Tarantino movies. Definitely recommend it. And my number one is 1981's Escape from New York. So one of his earliest, um, although I was looking through his back catalogue, he was actually doing stuff back in 1962. So incredible how long he's been acting. You know, he's, he's got 20 years experience under his belt almost at this point. So, you know, this this one, the the story that New York City is a is this wall-to-wall prison in the in the mid 90s is the only thing i needed to hear to to want to watch this and with kurt russell as as snake um he's just made for this movie it's i think it's definitely superior to escape from la although i enjoyed that as well but um for me it's that role that defined him he's really good opposite lee van cleef who for me is just the good the bad and the ugly spaghetti western cowboy but he's great in this too he he just as i said last week he's just got that quintessential 80s look so if you throw an eye patch on him and give him a real bad attitude and make it he's a bank robber who has to go into new york and rescue the president whose plane has crashed in manhattan they don't make him like that anymore and it's a real shame and that is my three two one Great choices, Paul. Um, I when I was looking through this list, I I had a feeling that Death Proof might have made it into there in there somewhere. So great to hear. So I guess that is us for another week of half measures. If you'd like to get in the mailbag, maybe you've got a peak performance for Kurt Russell, then let us know at halfmeasurespodcast.com or on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram at halfmeasurespodcast. And yeah, our thanks again to Time Travelling Tink Podcast for supporting us with this week's episode. Also, a special thanks to our Patreon producers, Samara King and Trisha Brady. If you too would like to become a patron of the show, then you can find those details in the show notes below. But until next week, everyone. 
Adios.